Welcome back to the Diet Ride Podcast. I'm Alyssa Miller. And I'm Brooke Miller. Both dietitians. Both moms. Both live in Denver. From the Midwest. Oh, you tricked me. <laughs> I you did. sneaky tricker. <laughs> Trickeroo. Um, and we're here today. That's the other thing that we're doing together. Um, it's funny, whoever that like lands on. <laughs> It's like and Rachel it, and Phoebe. It feels, yes. It feels like when they're recording the phone message. Yes. Okay. If you guys are friends fans, you know exactly the scene we're talking about. If not, then I'm sorry for the awkwardness that's happening currently, <laughs> but we're really excited to bring you a guest today. Um, it's going to be an incredible conversation. I cannot wait. So uh, Brienne, would you mind introducing yourself and telling our listeners who you are, what you do and how you got to be doing what you do? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Brianne Faylor, and I am the founder of Anti-Diet Yoga. And so what, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so um, kind of maybe giving my backstory will help understand why I started Anti-Diet Yoga. I am a, was a stay-at-home mom for almost 10 years now. And in that time, I struggled a lot with my relationship with my body. And truth be told, I had struggled for most of my life with my relationship with my body. After I had my second son, I got all the pressure to, you know, get that body back Mm -hmm. and started something thinking I was trying to live a healthy lifestyle and realized it very quickly became disordered eating Mm -hmm. and unhealthy relationship to exercise. And for many, many years, I kept convincing myself that what I was doing was best for myself and best for my family. And I got to a point when after my um, third son, I have three boys, when he was about two years old, it all of a sudden hit me that this life I was living was lacking so much. And I was spending so much of my time and my energy on my body, on what I was eating, on when I was exercising, on what I was feeding my children. It became all consuming. And so I had this kind of epiphany and uh, it was triggered by my dad passing away suddenly. And I all of a sudden thought to myself, what am I doing? Like, why has this become my life? And I did a lot of soul searching and I, I knew something had to change. And so In that time, I had started practicing yoga. Um, It was something that had brought me a lot of comfort dealing with the death of my dad. And as I was kind of going through my yoga practice and learning to kind of reconnect with my body, I also came across intuitive eating. It was kind of like the stars magically aligned for me. (laughs) And as I was practicing and learning about intuitive eating, and as I was learning about yoga, the two just married so well together. Mm -hmm. And everything that I was learning about those steps in intuitive eating, I could see that I could practice them on my yoga mat. And so I made the choice to become a yoga teacher. I did a 200 hour training. And then I decided to um, become certified as a intuitive eating facilitator. Um, And I'm doing that because I want to be able to incorporate intuitive eating into my yoga classes. And I want to do it from a very informed position. Um, You know, I always say I'm not here to be an intuitive eating counselor or nutritionist. That's not my job. But my job is to help people learn how to use intuitive eating with their yoga practice. And from that, anti-diet yoga came about. Um, 
And that's kind of where I found my passion of I can share yoga and I can share body positivity and I can share intuitive eating with my students. And it's made my life so much fuller. Um, So that's kind of the long roundabout way that I've gotten to where I am. That was beautiful. Yeah. That was a very wonderful introduction. It is. (laughs) And I think it's just such a peaceful place for women to come because there's so many yoga studios that are off putting because all the people are in sports bras and they're tiny. And I've been to those studios and I felt really uncomfortable and self-conscious and you're just providing such a beautiful space for women in all size bodies and all size points of their life to come and feel comfortable and confident. And I think that that is so needed And so, I know COVID's a little different. Like we're not necessarily seeing any, any, you know, as many people in person, but I think really every studio really needs to adopt that mindset because it can be very, it can be a, a harsh place to come. And like you said, yoga is such a beautiful marriage of intuitive eating because it, it really is that joyful movement. It's connecting with your body. It's respecting your body. It's moving in a way that feels good, modifying when you need to. Um, so I just want to say thank you for providing this for women because it is so necessary. Um, I remember like two years as being a dietitian, I was actually going to get certified to be a yoga instructor. And I was talking to a dietitian I worked with and I started like tearing up and I said, I can't, I don't think I can do it. And she said, why? And I said, I'm too fat to be a yoga instructor. And she was like, what? And I said, I'm too big. Nobody's going to come to the classes. There's people that are smaller than me. How can I teach a class if I'm bigger than everybody else? And that was like the moment that my intuitive eating journey shifted because it was like, wow, like how many women would be honored to come to a class where the instructor looks like you, you know, they just look like a regular mom in a regular body. And, um, so just thank you for doing that work because I know, as a person who goes to yoga classes, it is, it's just, it can be really, really hard to go into that setting. I'd love to like break that down a little bit with you, Brianna, and see what you've experienced in the industry. Cause I think Mm -hmm. what you said was so beautiful and I completely agree being um, someone who has practiced yoga for periods of my life here and there and whatnot. um, I I do see this amazing connection between yoga and um, intuitive eating. We've had another episode here where we talked more about that as well and how it plays into like the mindfulness and getting in tune with your body and getting grounded and all of these things that are yoga practice. Um, But at the same time, our culture and correct me if I'm wrong, has kind of hijacked yoga. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and made it into this very diet culture thing, Brooke, kind of what you were sharing of like, I get that feeling too. And I was getting chills when you were talking. Cause I was like, gosh, that's exactly what would run through my head. And mm-hmm. I, and then when you were like, it would be an honor to go to a class with you teaching it. And I was like, yes, it would. I would love that. <laughs> and I think of one of our um, favorite yoga instructors too, big, big, big booty yoga. Um, I went to a class with her one time at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Life Beautiful. Changing it is the experience. best experience of your life. No yeah. joke. I mean, uh, it's an, it's insane, but anyways. Um, and it was really powerful to just see someone with a body that looked even remotely similar to mine. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I would love to hear from your perspective, Brianne, what you've experienced in the yoga world and why you think that is that it's kind of been commandeered by diet culture. That is a very loaded question, yes. but I am happy to dive into it. So, um, you know, I can only obviously speak from my experience, but I feel that um, yoga has become very performative mm-hmm. and it's all for the gram. And so if you look at, right, you look at the hashtag yoga, it looks like 
women in bikinis doing gymnastics on the beach. Yes. And it's really sad that, right. And it's sad that that's the message that is being given to um, people in society that in order to do yoga, you have to be a gymnast. And the Mm -hmm. reality is that, you know, asana or the movement practice is just one tiny part of what yoga truly is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yoga is the quieting of the mind stuff. And that comes from Patanjali who wrote the yoga sutras is probably a compilation of a lot of different teachers. But the idea is that we, we practice yoga to quiet that voice in the back of our head. And that has nothing to do with doing a handstand on the beach, right? (laughs) But we lose that because if I post a picture of myself sitting quietly in meditation, I'm not getting likes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is sad, (laughs) you know? So, so it's kind of been, you know, hijacked into this very whitewashed version of what yoga is. And I think part of that too is, you know, people look for community. And so yoga has become this community of likeness. And in a lot of ways, it's become a community of likeness in the upper middle-class white female society. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and I'm speaking as a white woman, so I can only speak to my experience of that, but there, there is a piece of this where you know, it's the materialism, the um, Lululemons of the world, you know, all of that, that's become what yoga is. And when you really dig down, that has nothing to do with what the heart of yoga is. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's part of, of what happened. I also think there's a performative nature of yoga. So, you know, I think the idea of, you know, Brooke, you mentioned like, well, I don't have the body to be able to do yoga. This idea that I need to be able to look a certain way to be a teacher or that I need to be able to do the handstands and the arm balances. What I found is that mainly women take my classes, but men and women, they are looking for a way to move their body. And they don't need to do those things. And so as a teacher, I don't, I don't need to be able to, to do those or teach those, you know, crazy arm balances. Do I practice them? Yes. Cause that's fun for me. And that's a whole nother kind of area of why I do that. But it's really about connecting with your mind and your body and learning to be in the moment. And that's what yoga should be. Oh, I love that. And, you know, even going back to the first portion of this answer, um, that you answered beautifully of like how it's kind of hijacked it and, and really hasn't diet culture done that to almost everything that's good. Right. Mm -hmm. And actually just yesterday on our Instagram, I posted a quote, um, from one of my all-time favorite pastors. And it was talking about when we take a good thing and make it an ultimate thing, ultimately that good thing becomes a destructive thing. And it's the same with yoga, right? It's the same with salads. We see this all the time with our members that they're like, Oh, I don't like salads. Do you not like salads? Or do you have an allergic reaction to salads? Because you've been told that you have to eat a salad to be healthy for the rest of your life. Like diet culture took something delicious, like an amazing, incredible salad. And they hijacked it to be this thing. That's like the idol for what you should be eating every day. And then they took everything good out of the salad and said, you can only have the lettuce, no dressing, unless it's just straight olive oil. And even then you need to measure it. Right. And it's like, you took everything good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you hijacked it and, you know, used it. And then yes, 100% the performative factor. I see that in everything. Right. And especially just as our, um, generation and as our culture and community gets more and more online and more and more social distanced and, and less and less in person and connecting with real people on a real deeper level, 
everything becomes a little bit more performative, right? And I was sharing um, recently with friends of mine, because I do run a business online. And um, one of the questions we were kind of tossing back and forth was, how often do you check your social media? Does it actually make you happy? And I was like, well, I check mine quite a bit, but it's kind of part of my business. And they were talking about how, you know, social media is curated and it 100% is curated. Even for people who are as authentic as I believe we are, you're still not posting everything. And that's not intentional. I'm not intentionally not posting my dirty kitchen because I don't want you to see it. It's because I'm busy cleaning my kitchen, right? Or running after my kids. And so even if I'm not trying to be intentional, it's still curated. And I would have to spend all day, every day to show you everything that's wrong with my home, my lifestyle, my whatever to share with you and online. And it's just becoming increasingly more performative. And then we increasingly compare, right? And, and that is the unfortunate truth of our, um, of our community. So I think it's incredible what you're doing. Can you share a little bit more about the community that you've created and the people that you like to work with and, and what you kind of do in practice to settle the two and kind of what you said before being that facilitator, what that actually looks like for you? Sure. So, you know, one of the things you mentioned is like that performative nature. And one of the blessings I think that COVID has been for um, my teaching is that I teach on Zoom mm-hmm. and I always give my mm-hmm. students the options. They can keep their camera on or they can turn their camera off. That. And that I think is it's been really important because there are some people that they just don't want to move their body in front of other people or with other people looking at them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, teaching online on zoom gives you that chance. You can still be in community as much as you can on zoom Mm -hmm. and practice without feeling like people are watching you. I think that's been really important. Um, In terms of the, the students that I work with, I work with a wide range of people. I would say, Um, The majority of them are women. A lot of them are moms and grandmas that are looking to move their body. And I always say that my classes are all levels, beginners welcome and encouraged. Mm. And I say that because anybody can do the practice that I provide. And that's because I give many options. I like to say that I give, you know, your check in with your body today and see what option feels good and know that that's going to be different on a day-to-day basis. Um, We just did a class last week where um, I called it my good, bad, neutral class. And we played a game. And every time we went into a pose, I would ask my students, does your body feel good, bad, or neutral in this pose? If it felt good, stay where you are. If it felt bad, make a change. And if it felt neutral, you get to decide, stay where you are or make a change. And so I'm really trying to give my students the power to make decisions for their bodies. Um, They're the only one that knows what's gonna be good for them today. I feel like sometimes you go into a fitness class and especially a yoga class, and there's this idea of, you know, here's your first option, here's your better option, here's your full expression of the pose, which makes me laugh because Mm -hmm. what does that even mean, (laughs) right? Like full expression of what? Your full expression of the pose is what your body can do today. And so I try and empower my students to make that choice for themselves. I am their guide. I say that at the beginning of every class. You get to decide. I don't get to decide what your body wants to do today. And if your body wants to sit in child's pose or lay on your back the whole class, be my guest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to make those decisions for yourself. So it's providing a space that people feel comfortable moving their bodies, that feel safe moving their bodies, and giving them options to explore all of these different areas. 
And I also try and incorporate um, some type of pranayama or breathing practice, because I feel like that really helps my students tap into that introceptive awareness, which in, in intuitive eating is something that is so important. If we don't know what feelings or what emotions feel like in our body, it's very hard to decide what does hunger feel like? What does fullness feel like? And so if we can practice feeling through breathing practices and meditation practices on our mat, when we get out into the world, we have a better understanding of what feelings feel like. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And I think that COVID has actually been a good thing in that arena of when you're at home, you get to push yourself and really, truly listen to your body without judgment. Whereas when you're in a class, it's so intimidating. I know Alyssa and I both struggle with this, her in cycling, me in yoga, where I, yeah, we, we just like, look at the person next to us. And I've, I know, like they've said, do wheel. And I'm like, I do not want to do a wheel today. Oh, everybody behind me is doing it. Well, I have to do it. And it's just like this pressure. And I love when instructors really take the judgment out of it. And when they really, really focus on, you know, here are the modifications, here are your options for modifications. There's no failure in modifications and normalizing modifications as just like a normal part of yoga, because so many of us are recovering from injury or it's been a while. And it's just, it's better to go slow and not hurt your body rather than rush into something and, you know, injure yourself. So I love that you've normalized that. Yeah. I wanted to tap on that really quick. Um, because what you said was so beautiful of like, what I love about yoga is the incremental differences, right? Like it can be a a centimeter of a difference that you're pushing that feels good or better for your body right now, or in this moment where you back off a centimeter and, and that's where you need to be. And it's so incremental, right? And there are a lot of other joyful movement ways to move your body workouts, whatever that like, I only have at home, five pounds, 10 pounds, 15 pound weights. Those are big differences for me. So if I'm trying to lift, there's no increment, you Mm -hmm. know, it's not easy for me to get a little small increment change, but yoga really does lean into that. Like, it's not a huge change. It's not all or nothing. It's inch by inch, centimeter by centimeter, breath by breath. Right. And, and that is really an important tool and, um, skill to learn both in yoga, but also in life, in the way that we eat, in the way that we, you know, show up for people in our life. Like it doesn't have to be this all or nothing, which is something I struggle with. Okay. Sorry. Go back. No, for sure. (laughs) Just to add to that. No, I think it's also important to remember that it's not all or nothing and it's not always forward. You know, Mm -hmm. I think intuitive eating, we talk about kind of that spiral, um, that you're, you're never, you're never failing. You're just learning. And Mm -hmm. in yoga, that is so true because one day, you know, maybe I can do a headstand one day against a wall. And maybe the next day, the thought of going upside down, I I can't even kick my foot up. And that's not failure. That's just my body being different on that given day. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that so much. I love the idea of me one day doing a headstand too. (laughs) Probably not. Brooke is like, "Mm, I've seen you dance. I get a head rush. (laughs) Yeah. And I've also seen both of our dance moves. We're not, we're not not the most graceful. (laughs) Not coordinated in that way. It's not about being graceful. It's about, you know, it's about learning those steps, right? Like in anything in life. And I I would like to kind of touch on that idea of headstand for a minute. And only because on my um, social media, I do a lot of play. So I enjoy playing with arm balances, headstands, handstands. It's fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always like to tell people that A, this is playtime. And this is not 
for me, if I get upside down, great. If I fall, which I fall a lot, Mm -hmm. that's okay. It's practicing falling and noticing what your reaction is when you fall or when you fail, you know, do you beat Mm -hmm. yourself up or do you try again? Um, or do you laugh? Yeah. Yes. It can teach you so much about trying something that is maybe outside of your comfort zone because yeah, that's life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, if we want to grow, we got to kind of move outside of our comfort zone and we have to notice how do we react to that? And do I like how I reacted or do I want to maybe try something different next time? Um, so, you know, if you learn the, the fundamentals and the proper steps to get into these crazy positions, you could do it or you could do a version that works for you. Oh, that is so beautiful. What a good analogy to life Mm -hmm. just in general, like literally running a business, running your home, working, being a friend, being a wife, like we all make mistakes and, and we can just learn from them. And I love I love that because with intuitive eating, we hear that so much from our members of like, I'm feeling behind. I feel like I've screwed up. I feel like I binged last night and now I've like taken 10 steps back. And it's like, no, you didn't take 10 steps back. You just had a learning experience. And how are you going to move forward from here is hands down the most important thing. And like you said, if I love the visualization of like falling doing a headstand. Like it's funny and you can laugh at yourself and you can say, Oh, okay. Next time I'm not going to do that with my hand or I'm not going to do that with my foot, or I'm going to, I need support. I need somebody to help Mm -hmm. hold my feet. Like, and I think that is just, it's so important to have a good foundation, but to also know that we all have learning experiences. We all have moments where we screw up or where we feel like we didn't do something right. And that is literally part of life. And if we're not learning from our experiences, you know, we're, it just helps us grow so much as a person. And so that is such a cool analogy. And now I do want to try handstands on Alyssa's, um, kitchen in, a, in her kitchen. She'll I'll support me. We might find a wall. Be careful. I don't want, I don't want everybody coming off this podcast saying we, we all did a head, headstand. headstand. Brian told us to, <laughs> now I got broken dishes Brian told us to fall on her face yeah. and see yeah. how we react. I, I need like a disclaimer here. Yeah. I think. That's but isn't wouldn't you say that so diet culture though there's this idea of failure or success right Mm -hmm. like there's no gray area and so we if we've lived our lives with this diet mentality it spills over into so many areas and I think that's what's so sad that we we struggle so much with the the gray the middle ground the just okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah one of our members once shared with us, um, the, the feelings of being on or off and how stressful that was in her life and how she didn't know it was stressful. It's like, I was making every decision in my life based on if I was on a diet or off a diet, Mm -hmm. right? Like when I was going to bed, where I was going to eat, if I was going to say yes or no to this event or whatever, um, anything was whether every decision was wrapped up in, am I on or off the diet? And she said it was the scariest and most freeing thing to just be neither, right? Mm -hmm. Like now I'm just in the gray and it's freed up so much mental space and I can actually make decisions out of how I'm feeling and not whether or not I'm on or off. And it was such a powerful moment and realization in my own journey too, of like, yes, you hit it exactly in the head. It's the on or off all or nothing. And it is scary to live in the gray, but it's also necessary for freedom. Right. And that's a lot of times where we find ourselves is 
in the gray, feeling free, but also feeling like we're falling, like, oh my gosh, I'm, there's no safety net. I don't have guidelines. I don't have an Excel spreadsheet. I don't have a tracking system or whatever it is. And that's kind of another beautiful bridge into yoga as well of kind of like, am I doing this right? I don't know. And like, really, truly, I loved what you said, which makes for an incredible instructor is saying, I can't do it for you. I can't tell you exactly what's feeling good for your body or what's feeling bad for your body. You can tell them the form, you know, and, and you can tell them, Hey, that looks like if you do that too many times, it's going to put stress on your, you know, wrists or ankles or whatever. But at the end of the day, you are the own guardian of your own body. And you get to tell me is, is this feeling good, bad or neutral? And Mm -hmm. I, I love that you said that because that just, that's the mark of a beautiful instructor who's going to trust you and your body first and absolutely be the guide, not be in charge. Right. And I, I love that. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's such a wonderful reminder of how we can live our entire life. Um, so I would love to go back. You said a few, a little while ago about we've gotten (laughs) off track, but about the breath thing, can you break that down a little bit more? What is that breath that you talked about? Cause I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Um, and is there, is there a way you could teach us over a podcast, how to do that? If not, that's fine too. But, um, what is that breath that you kind of talked about? For sure. So pranayama breathing is many different types of um, breath work. Um, So you've got some counted breathing, um, breath holds, but the idea is prana is that energy or life force running through your body. Mm -hmm. And if we control our breath, we can control that energy. And so there's many different ways to practice this. One of um, kind of the, I'll say easy with air quotes around it, mm-hmm. but what a, an easy way to get into it is the idea of a counted breath. So if you'd like, I'd be happy to do that with you guys. Do you want to try that? With yeah. Me? Yeah. All right. Perfect. So you guys are both sitting in chairs. If you're listening to the podcast and you're driving, please pause and do this mm-hmm. later. But <laughs> if you are in a place where you're able to sit comfortably, I invite you to take a seat, close your eyes, if that's comfortable or soften your gaze in front of you and just tap into your own breath coming in through your nose and out through your nose and just noticing where your breath is right now. And as we go through this practice, if at any point you become anxious or uncomfortable, know that you can just come back to your own natural breath to recenter and re-anchor yourself. And so for our practice, we are gonna do just a simple counted breath. We're gonna inhale for a count of four, and then we're gonna exhale for a count of four. I'm gonna count this for you. If I'm going too fast or too slow, feel free to go on your own pace. Go ahead and take one more natural inhale and exhale, and we'll begin. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Exhale, one, two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Exhale, one, two, three, four. Go ahead and continue that on your own pace for a few more rounds. 
looking to keep your inhales and your exhales about the same length. And then on your next exhale, just come back to your own natural breathing. And I invite you to just notice if that has changed how anything feels in your body. And remember that any time in your day, you can come back to just that simple counted breath to ground yourself and to recenter yourself in this moment. You can go ahead and open your eyes. That was beautiful. Thank you. I cannot believe how much like tension released mm -hmm. and literally recording a podcast with like friends. Like yeah. I should not be stressed at all. My whole body just like totally released. That was incredible. And it, ugh. well, I actually so was good. listening to somebody recently and they said that, um, they were like a busy mom who was working. And when they would get into the parking lot at work, they would do breath work for one minute with their eyes shut before entering work. And then when they got home, they would sit in their car before walking into their house and do one minute of breath work. And I think that's such a powerful tool for all of us to be able to use. Like if you're working, that's a good time to do it. Or if the kids are going down for a nap doing it. But I think, um, just that one minute or two minutes is so powerful. It will change your day. So all of For us, sure. we're all going to start doing this more often, ladies. That is, it's mean, so I mean, important. It's mm -hmm. so easy to forget too, unfortunately, you know, like I remember being um, pregnant with my daughter. I was um, going to attempt and I ultimately successfully had a V back and it was so much about the breath work and the mind work and all the things. And I was taught all these different breaths. I'm sure you're even aware of all these, but um, different breath techniques and whatnot, especially during labor and during pushing. And it was incredible how much pain management, I call it pain, but like pressure management or whatever can be accomplished with pain. Kind of what you said before of like harnessing your energy and being able to control it. And labor was like the ultimate proof of that. In my opinion of like, I could not believe that I was able to labor naturally go through contractions, push her out, like with my breath, like that's literally what it felt like. And yet here I am nearly two years later, forgetting to breathe at a count of four <laughs> to relieve tension. So it's easy to forget, right? Cause that's on autopilot and it's not something we have to think about like, oh, lucky for us, we breathe automatically and we're okay. Um, but it is so, so powerful. So that, that is really, um, incredible. Thank you for walking us through that. Mm -hmm. And just such a great reminder too, of like how to get inside your own body when people are like, I don't know how to be intuitive. I don't know how to listen to my body. I don't know how to blah, 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 blah. And a lot of times Brooke and I point our members to like journaling, um, you know, thinking through some reflective questions. We talk a little bit about like joyful movement, but I think breath work is something we should probably start talking a little bit more about. We're certainly not qualified to teach it or anything, but <laughs> tuning in with your breath, quieting your mind, meditating, like sh shutting your eyes and just really feeling in tune with your body. Cause even in that moment, for what, like 40 seconds or whatever, I was able to tune in and be like, oh, I'm kind of thirsty. My back hurts a little bit. I'm, you know, uh, losing like some of this tension is, is leaving my body. You know, all these different things started to present themselves to me without me having to even ask. So, uh, so, so incredible. Gosh, Brian, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. I would love for you to let our listeners know, um, anything you want to leave them with, but also where they can find you, uh, where they can work with you, all the things. 
Sure. So um, the one thing I will leave you with is that breath practice I did was very brief. I didn't want to leave you with a lot of dead air on the podcast. I appreciate um, that. Thank you. Um, Thinking so of our listeners. Yes. Yes. If anybody, um, you know, felt like, oh, that was, wasn't very long. That's something that you can sit and practice for a few minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, as long as, you know, you can stay present in your breath. And, you know, the whole point of all of this is if we can quiet that voice in our mind, which in a lot of ways is that diet culture voice, that woulds, shoulds, you know, all of those negative thoughts, then we can connect with what we truly are and who we truly are. And so that's what I hope that people can take away from practicing yoga and breathing and meditation. So, um, but where you can find me is I am majority of my time is on Instagram. I'm at anti-diet yoga. And then if you're interested in taking class, all of my classes right now are on Zoom and they will continue that way probably for a long time. So um, you can find me at uh, antidietyoga.com and sign up for classes there. And then I'm also working on um, more recorded classes that will slowly become available um, for if you have a monthly membership or just to purchase on their own as well. So um, I'd love to connect with any anybody that's interested in learning more about yoga and, and how we can help it support our intuitive eating journeys. Incredible. And members, if you're listening to our podcast right now, I want you to jump on that because we talk, yes. I cannot tell you how often this comes up in our membership of like, does anyone know of any like anti-diet, whatever, like instructors? Cause so many instructors out there, right. Are pushing unhelpful and harmful information and oh my goodness, what a wealth of knowledge that you are obviously. And just clearly an incredible instructor. So anyways, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Um, and for this great conversation, we so appreciate it. And to everyone who's listening, we will see you next week. See See you later. later.